Welcome to the Deep Three Podcast. This is your host, Matt, joined as always by Kevin and Sam. What's up, boys? Hello, hello. I'm the greatest of all time. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the greatest of all time. Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right, so today is Mother's Day. I was just over there eating wonderful food made by my stepdad. Uh, Sam, what have you been up to? Um, got my mom some roses, uh, ate some frozen pizza because quarantine, uh, not doing this right. My mom didn't want to get outside food. So I was like, all right, uh, I mean, I can make an egg dish, but she doesn't like eggs. So I was like, all right, I tried my best, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you did what you could, man. That's fine. That's fine. Kevin, what did you do? Uh, so I got outshined by my older brother per usual, uh, cause he's the God tier gift giver. Uh, and he, you know, cameo where you get like celebrities to, uh, like say a message or something he yeah. got my mom uh pat o'donnell on there saying from the bears saying happy mother's day and how her son loves him so much and how she's the greatest mom so i am just i'm just gonna take that l graciously and just be like i am the worst son my brother is mr biscuit right here ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you lost I apologize. <laughs> oh, good Lord Almighty. So, recent news, Giannis, uh, he had some technical difficulties. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, his Twitter got hacked quite a bit. Uh, I don't know if the person who got hacked was found or whatever, but that's some fucked up shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that guy said some very ridiculous things, uh, not only against the Bucks organization, but also to uh, honestly like Chinese Americans who are basically saying like you guys are responsible for everything for spreading the virus. And I was like, okay, Giannis is not like this. There's no way. I got yeah. I just showed a video of his baby with new shoes, and I was like, okay, Giannis just posted it. There's no way it's him. So it's really it was- shameful that someone did that, but how we live, I guess. Yeah, so- it was it was wild. <laughs> I have a question for you guys before we get into the before we get into the show. So <sighs> Kevin's going to shit on me because that's his job. And uh, what do you guys think about the Suns next year? And the only reason I bring this up is because DeAndre Ayton, towards the end of the season, was killing it. When he came back, he was doing very well. He was putting up phenomenal numbers. Uh, Devin Booker, I know that you guys are Devin Booker haters on this podcast, but you've got to admit that he was playing pretty well, playing decently well, scoring up some good points. And uh, Ricky Rubio's facial hair has just been uh, to the nines, man. He he looks fantastic. (laughs) Like, you can't argue with that. Uh, Sam, why don't you you tell me how you feel about the Suns next year? All right, let's make it very clear. It says that the Phoenix Suns are third to last in the West. Let's be real. The Warriors would be above them. They're second to last in the West, all right? Yeah. Let me go maybe one step up, maybe two steps up, right? Um, As much as I like their roster, uh, and by like their roster, I mean I like DeAndre Aiden, partially like Devin Booker if he stops whining about trying and, you know, not real games during the (laughs) summer. Um, Yeah. This team had potential. They had a very good start. However, 
I don't really see much optimism in the West, especially in the division they're in, which is Clippers, Lakers, uh, Golden State Warriors, and the next probably team above them is the Kings. So I think they're going to sit last again, but who knows? Maybe this draft can shake up some things. Uh, they have the right assets to trade as well. So potential, but I don't see them being as playoff contenders. Kevin, if you put the Phoenix Suns on the East, you would probably have a different answer, right? I think that I think if they were in the East, they're at least playoff contenders. They're at least around the eighth seed, give or take a couple games. But I think the problem comes when they actually play in the playoffs. I think there's no way any like the eighth seed Phoenix Suns could beat a first seed Bucks. Like that's just not going to happen in any different reality ever. Like that's not. People can't even dream about that happening. That's so far off of reality. <laughs> I'll admit that. I'll admit that. That's totally fair. Uh, I think just, like, looking at their overall roster, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think they're as bad. They're definitely not as bad as they were last year. Oh, like, that's for sure. And they were a huge surprise this year at the start of the season. I just think that they have a, they have a decent amount of potential that could go their way. And it's just interesting to kind of watch that to see. I think the thing that really steps out at me is because of how bad they did last year and how much they've kind of shined this year. It's just kind of like very polarizing, very different. And to see that growth is pretty phenomenal. That's true. I guess my question would be, who would you take out of the West then? I mean, West is pretty stacked by one through 10 right now. Um, And, you know, Trailblazers and Pelicans, are currently not in the playoffs, and I think they easily deserve the eighth seed for sure, especially next season with a healthy Pelicans roster. Uh, who do you think should be out of it? That's a great question, Sam. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's really hard for you to say. Uh, are you like saying like just which team would you kick out of the playoffs in the West, or which team would you move? Uh, either or. I'd probably just say like of uh, those eight teams. You know, we'll probably say the top six make it for sure. Seven and oh. eight are questionable. Who would you kick out of the seven and eight seed? Uh, so far, it's Dallas and Memphis. Um, and then nine and ten are Blazers and Pelicans. I would probably take out... So, I would definitely not take out the Pelicans. I wouldn't take out the Blazers because they're a ton of fun to watch. And Dame is just, you know, clutch and he's fun. I would probably say if if I had to take out a team, it would probably be Memphis. Wow. Even Ja's though bro. I love Ja and <laughs> he's like such a talented player, I think Ja's kind of like one of the only great players on that team. He's like the only one that can really create things. I mean, you have you have Jaron Jackson Jr. is awesome. Uh but I don't know. I don't know. That's hard. The, like even like even saying Memphis is like making me like I don't want to. <laughs> you know, like that's that's hard. That's a, that's a really. I don't think I don't really don't think there is a team that you could take out. I would have said the Spurs, but they're not in there. <laughs> Damn! Don't forget Ginobili, Lock Harden. All right, never forget. <laughs> Why don't we get into the show, boys? Uh-huh. Why don't we get into the last dance, uh, Sam? Why don't you why don't you help us out? Go through go through what you saw in the last dance, and uh, we'll start from there. I think first off, the you know, number one polarizing thing was just 
we saw Kobe and we saw we heard Kobe talk, right? So I was, got a little goosebumps when we saw him. Uh, it killed me. <laughs> uh, it was awesome that they got him like pretty like you know late, you know pre- before he passed away. Uh, I was going to get that kind of feedback too, because you know obviously what this is around ninety two or well no it's Kobe got ninety six or like ninety seven ninety eight season. You know that's when Kobe started being really good. You know making the All Star team, which is phenomenal. And I think um, MJ said. The thing with Kobe is he wants to go one-on-one against everyone in the league. Uh, and he said, that Laker kid. Um, what I thought was kind of funny, because um, I don't think it was a bash, but more of like, hey, I respect that because I can kind of see myself in him. Um, mm. You know, you couldn't see anyone else in the league that much. Uh, someone that's willing to like, take everything on his back and just carry a team. So I thought that was kind of phenomenal to see. Yeah, I absolutely loved watching Kobe Bryant again. It definitely pulled on some heartstrings, but watching Kobe as a player and watching Michael Jordan as a player, I got to admit, they have, like, very similar, like, not lifestyle, I guess, but, like, very similar personalities when it comes to competitiveness. Like, you don't really see that a lot in any other player. Maybe Giannis, I would say. Uh, Maybe LeBron. But LeBron's, LeBron's kind of, like, that go- not not goofy but he's kind of like the dad you know <laughs> like he, he's kind of like the dad to the entire nba organization whereas michael jordan was like the black sheep who wanted to prove himself to the entire world and that's how kobe was and I, it's very I, interesting to see that i just loved kobe's quote about like he was like oh i hate when people can compare me and MJ and say like oh who would win in a one-on-one blah 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 because uh, he was like everything you see in me is from Jordan like and it, that's so evident when we're watching this documentary and we're, and we're watching these Kobe highlights and we're like wow that really is almost the exact same thing as we've seen all these episodes previously so I, I just thought it was a really cool parallel to uh, show in that episode and I really liked it yeah, absolutely. Why don't we uh, talk about some Tony? Some what, Kevin? Why, why don't we talk about your boy, Young <laughs> <laughs> Tony? Kukosh, let's so, go. <laughs> I would probably say that what happened to him during the Olympics is kind of bullshit. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. He's in this war-torn world, and. Uh, Jerry Krause is just like, oh, yeah, I really like him. I really like his defensive talents. And then MJ and Pippen were just like, nobody touched this guy. Uh, he's all ours. And they fucked him up. And it's just like, chill, man. <laughs> like, <down> the <laughs> I think they were just a little salty because of all the, like, contract stuff that was going on, like, yeah. which is understandable. Um, but they took out their aggression on the wrong person. How <laughs> do you definitely say that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that was actually kind of good for Tony just to understand like what his teammates would be like. I think that's the kind of, this is a push, but I think it's kind of like the mindset you need to have. Like, if you can't handle this, like, don't be in our team. And can we also understand that Tony Kukoc was the second to last pick uh, in this draft, 59th pick, uh, for the, you know, how he played it. I think he doesn't really get that much justice. I think, especially with not that many European players, you know, being prevalent yet. Um, I believe Lottie Diva came that same year or the year after that. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's not that many, you know, foreign players being that prominent. So it was awesome for him. It just was bad because he was in 
you know, war-stricken Yugoslavia at that point. Uh, and he thought, hey, maybe I should stay with my family and not abandon them while I go play basketball uh, yeah. in America and be good. So um, obviously yep. Pippen and MJ didn't say that, but no. Shrug. I do agree that you kind of need to know what you're going up against. And I, I understand that for sure. It's just like, it's just so funny how petty Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen could be. <laughs> like they're taking out all of their aggression because Jerry Krause said that they liked, like, like that he liked them like fucking hell. But yeah. the next time that they did, that he did play them, he actually did do pretty well. I think he ended up scoring 16 points, something around that uh, on a very, you know, on the dream team, which is pretty, I would say it's pretty impressive for any player to do. Yeah. So he definitely showed his, uh, showed his stripes, um, so to speak, and showed that, you know, he belongs, he belongs in the NBA. So the next thing that I want to go over really quick is, is that we're getting a little bit more into a philosophical conversation, I guess you could say, when we're talking about the phrase, like Mike. We've seen the movie of the little kid who puts on the shoes. <laughs> not, not at all what I mean, but uh, everybody in America, and even like the world, I would say, had this impression of like, I want to be exactly like Michael Jordan. And as like as people as regular average ordinary joes who just you know go to our nine to five come home watch sports do whatever we don't really all we see about these superstars is all the money that they have you know um we look at them as as like this god figure essentially for some people and michael jordan was kind of like that like almighty figure because everybody loved him everybody knew him and it's a very interesting take to see how like distressful it is to have the media 24 7 and what that does to a person and the whole concept of just like being like mike it's like you're almost like yeah like you have this super aggressive nature and super competitive nature but like at the same time your life is videotaped like 75% of the time, you know? So like, Sam, what do you, what do you feel about that whole concept of being like Mike? I think we all have wanted that in our lives, but uh, what do you think about just the overall idea? Yeah, I think for sure. I think uh, just being you know, normal people, we do find it difficult to, you know, only be in the spotlight 24 seven, right? You can't be yourself. But I think at the same time, it is business, right? We make sure it's business in the end. Right, there's money, there's so much money being made, especially at that time. You know, Nike deals are being bid now, you know, with MJ Shoot, Shoot, uh, Gatorade now being bid, right? That was the whole like Mike movement. Um, I think that's also kind of you know part of the deal of being an NBA all star at that point, being not just NBA all star, but being like global icon at that point. Um, if he was not that good at the game, right, no one would care, right? That's just how it works, yeah. especially. Um, we kind of see that nowadays, right? We see people like Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant, they just turn away from media. Um, they keep saying, oh, I don't want to be about this. But in the end, I think this is something you sign up for, you know? Uh, when you sign up to be in the NBA, you're going to be on TV. Um, David Stern is actually responsible for that, so shout out to him. Uh, lucky that we're all able to watch this game, you know, every second of our life if we wanted to. Um, I get MJ's point that, you know, I don't want to camera on my face that's, like, literally, like, five inches away from me, like, 
every three seconds, but you know, don't be good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, I guess you kind of just have to deal with that kind of uh, excessiveness when you're that much of a superstar. But a lot of that media presence and a lot of that idea of like, I don't like, I, I'm not, I, I'm a black sheep, you know, I'm my own man. And I don't need to live up to your concept of who I should be. And this whole idea kind of, I feel like fed a very large portion of Michael Jordan's gambling problems, I think we could say. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, what do you think was probably the craziest gambling thing that Michael Jordan had? What was the what was the craziest problem that he had when it came when it came to gambling? Like betting uh, insane amounts of money on things of golf, <laughs> um, <laughs> like that would seem like. I think the guy said like, "Oh, ten thousand dollars to Michael Jordan is ten dollars to us." Like in the <laughs> that's insane, but I think like. Kind of the, like Mike point, we all have this image of Michael Jordan in our head, which is this clean, pristine, unbelievable basketball player and perfect person kind of image. When in reality, that's just never going to be the case about anyone, especially someone like Michael Jordan. And the fact that he did this gambling on the side that was completely legal, that was, it seems ridiculous to us because of what we just can't fathom that money. But it doesn't, it shouldn't change our image of him that much, yet we all always, like, fixate on it as his, like, big flaw. Like, oh, he was really into gambling and stuff like that, yet we still are talking about, like, oh, being like Mike and things like that. I don't know. It's just a really weird, like... It was kind of like a way to make him mortal, I guess you could yeah, say. You know exactly. Like, the public found one thing that they saw that was in anyone's mind a flaw and they just ultra fixated on that point and they were like i right, that's what we gotta focus on that's what we gotta like uh use to i guess to take them down which is weird i guess yeah and when i was when i was go ahead sam i guess don't you think it's hypocritical nowadays like why did this doc come up because mj became irrelevant right in a way like mj like in the sense irrelevant he was more of a brand rather than like a michael jordan right um I don't know if you guys remember that ad after LeBron went uh, from Cleveland to Miami, the what should I do ad. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think it was about a couple of weeks later, uh, MJ released one kind of like bashing on LeBron, um, which is like kind of like petty in my opinion, right? Yeah. Just being like such like a global icon already. Uh, so it kind of feels like at that time he hates the media, but as soon as it lights off of you, you kind of like quote unquote the greed of it maybe not greed but like now you're kind of desiring it back again so i just thought it's kind of funny how like oh i want to make a documentary now especially after lebron wins a title with cleveland so yeah <laughs> yeah that's true i'll definitely give you that one for sure um i mean but he he took that he took that and united something in you know he won four straight games after that <laughs> which is just the funniest like middle finger in the entire world <laughs> Oh, God. And then MJ, when he was playing against the Knicks. Uh, Sam, why don't you enlighten us how that was? Uh, how MJ, especially with Patrick, uh, Patrick Ewing. Ooh. It was just, it was murder at that point, okay? MJ, as soon as he heard, you know, someone, quote-unquote, probably Horace Grant leaking the info, mm -hmm. uh, saying that, you know, MJ 
staying at the uh, Atlantic City for about, what, until like 2 a.m.? Yeah. Like, um, that's not true. Uh, probably, probably back at 11 p.m. At that point, it's too late, right? You got that label on you. And MJ's like, okay, I'll just let my game talk at that point. And MJ killed him. He made a statement, uh, especially in New York. That was ridiculous. That was phenomenal performance by MJ. It was almost, it was almost godlike at that point. Uh, I know Larry Bird mentioned it, you know, when he was young, MJ, but that MJ was, uh, put the team on my back. I got this. We're going to win it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just like, it's very interesting to see Michael Jordan play against superstars who we hold in high value. Like, the finals against the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley and whatnot. Like, mm. watch it. First off, watching Charles Barkley play was very interesting because he looks just so much fitter than he does now, you know? <laughs> like, it's just very interesting to see him play, like, in his prime and whatnot. And he played so well, but then you put Michael Jordan right next to him mm. and he just wrecks it. And it's just like you see him destroying these superstars over and over again. It's just it's just mind-boggling, honestly. It's really incredible, and it really solidifies Michael Jordan's like goat status, I guess you could say. Um, Kevin, what was your quick thought on MJ against X and Patrick Ewing? Actually, you know what? Give, give me a thought on on uh, MJ and Charles Barkley. Oh, I I am now a '90s Suns Charles Barkley stan. <laughs> Holy shit! Watching those highlights, dude. Watch it. That st- those stat lines of Charles Barkley in the triple overtime game. That was gross. That's dude. Wild. Dude, that man. That man was on another level at that time. And still, Michael Jordan is like nothing. It's nothing. Whatever. I don't care about this Charles Barkley guy. I'm gonna win this series. And yeah. It feels super bad that Charles Barkley hasn't won a title because I kind of do. He 100% deserves one. I, uh, even just, you can watch those highlights from that period. He, he deserves one. Like, he drew the short straw in the <laughs> basketball player. Like, he just, what are you supposed to do against Michael Jordan? You know, like, there's, there's nothing you can do, especially like. I think the it's our first organization. <laughs> yeah. For the first like time that the Suns were in the finals, they had to play against Michael Jordan. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Yikes. Woof. That's hard shit, man. So Sam, why don't you uh, why don't you give us your concept of uh, the three Pete and Dunn? Like how how Michael Jordan thought about all of that and how like tired he was after that championship yeah i think right when you win your first title you know that's obviously you know the first hump you get over right that's something that like hey we finally put in all the work blood sweat and tear we finally got our title we won it well deserved um i think the value starts to dilute right as soon as you get the title because what more can you get after that right you got your mvp you got your title what's after that okay he goes to the olympics gets a gold okay what's after that right so he gets a three p okay what's after that he's going a fourth one you know, how much does that actually mean at that point, right? Already, three already means you're dominating, right? You're beating, especially in a Western conference like that with, you know, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, you're not playing against anyone weak out there. And I mean, to this day, the West is still tough. Yeah. Um, I think it just kind of shows that, okay, we beat literally everybody. Like, what's next? 
and I think that's why I kind of Jordan was getting that bored feeling. It was like, okay, I did basketball. You know, what's next? And I think we all know he did win. You know, he played for the White Sox in the minor leagues for a little while. Uh, I heard that his dad actually wanted him to be a baseball player before basketball. Yeah. Um, so that probably could have influenced it. Um, but I think it's in, at that time, especially, like, Bo Jackson was, you know, obviously one of my favorite football players, even though I didn't grow up watching him, uh, because that guy was monstrous. Like, I was literally mm-hmm. just way too big. Like, uh, he ran over people in football, and he hit, he crushed home runs in baseball. Um, so I guess it was that, that kind of shadow was, like, the next step. How do I be, like, multi-sport athlete, so... Absolutely. I agree 100%. I think it's very interesting when we take a look at how Michael Jordan and like the entire Bulls franchise just got so tired and so exhausted. Like I I think it was Scottie Pippen or um, a few of the other players and coaches that were just like, we're really tired. Like we're tired and we're kind of, we're glad that we won. We're glad that we won, but if we lost, it would have been hell. Like, it's kind of, like, polarizing. It's extremely polarizing because, like, if they won, it was, like, great, cool, this is over. Like, you, it's just, like, this is finally over. But if they lost, it's just, like, holy shit, this is horrible, you know? Like, it's completely, like, two different sides of the spectrum. And the bad side is much worse than the good. And it, at the good side, better. Um, Kevin, why don't you let me know how you felt about like this whole concept of like them being tired and like exhausted because, you know, we see the Patriots that were winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl and they were just ready to get back into it constantly. You know, Tom Brady was all about it. Bill Belichick was all about it. Um, why do you, why do you think that Michael Jordan got so tired? I mean, I think a big thing with that especially with that comparison you have 82 games versus 16 games sure yeah six months versus three months or whatever this season's just come out to whatever mm-hmm. you're you're going 110 percent every night for or every other night for four months straight whereas in football, you kind of you're working the whole week. You're working out. You're practicing. You're learning the plays. But then you go 110 percent for three hours one day a week. That's it. And yeah. I I think basketball just inherently is more exhausting over time. Uh, and when you do that three years in a row, the same thing again against all the same people against the Hakeem Olajuwon's, the Charles Barkley's, the Patrick Ewing's. And the intense defensive basketball of the nineties. Like oh my it, was just, it was just cutthroat then, way more cutthroat than now. And yeah. so doing year after year after year, I am not surprised at all that they got tired, that they were just like, Okay, we need to take a break. Especially yeah. Jordan. Like he, <laughs> I don't blame them at all. So that actually brings up a very good point. I think and and after after I bring up this discussion, we're going to go into uh, court Sam, uh, the judges in session, and uh, whatnot. This is a fun new segment that we kind of came up with. But before we get into that, um, Sam, with all of the defensive prowess that was in the '90s, was in that past kind of decade, with again like the Patrick Ewing, the Detroit, like the Pistons, their cutthroat defense. 
do you kind of miss seeing that? Like, maybe not to, like, the super extreme that it was at, but, like, do you miss, like, that intensity of defense? Yeah, look, I think the rules are here to protect the shooter, right? And I think it's important, right? We saw, with, especially with Kawhi Leonard, uh, RIP is first with that case. Um, he did take a serious injury, right? He's still, he's still resting to this point. Yeah. Uh, that kind of injury. Uh, with dirty little Zaza over there. Um, however, <laughs> I think... Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bruce Bowen. He played for the Spurs as well. But he was notorious mm-hmm. for his close-up defense. And, right, with close-up defense, there's hand-checking, right? So hand-checking, you use your, basically have an arm bar against them and keep pushing them back. Nowadays, you put two hands on a person, you know, you get arrested. Um, but <laughs> I just think that the league is getting – I don't want to be, like, the old head guy, like, oh, the league's soft or something. No, I think the league changed. I think it changed for good just depending on, you know, I think players' physique, uh, people are getting skinnier. Uh, they're getting faster. Um, but you do miss the physique when it comes to playing defense. The people that are really doing it, like people like Marcus Smart, right? You need that kind of aggression to, mm-hmm. um, you know, minus all the, you know, 50% of the flopping, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, you need that kind of aggression to kind of come back in the league. I think otherwise it's kind of just, it's just going to keep on being shooting. Okay, Harden, he got fouled, 20 more free throws. Kawhi, he got fouled, 20 more free throws. It's going to slow the game down. So hopefully they can bring in, you know, at least allow more, actual playing of the game let's be real at this point you know we don't need more. yeah absolutely uh kevin last question and i'll just direct that to you kevin um because the rules kind of protect the shooter now like now you have like you basically can't even touch the guys that goes down the lane or else that's a foul what does the defense do now that is very different from what they did then. So obviously then, you know, you were, you were, you were able to put hands on the other person, not like a crazy amount, but like Sam said, you know, you could put your arm against them. Uh, you could definitely be more in their face, but now it's definitely a little bit more different. What do you think is the biggest difference between the defense in the nineties and the defense now? I think it's totally, it's now it's almost like, less physical defense and more of mental defense if that makes any sense yeah like of predicting where people are going to go where they're going to shoot and being there before that being there to put your hands up to try and stop that three-point attempt from happening or uh posting up and or like i don't like making a play in order to stop maybe harden from coming down the court and shooting the same shot he does every single time Stuff like that. It's much more of a mental game now than a physical one. And the 90s, it was pure physicality. Not much, from my perspective, at least not much like play driven. Whereas now it's completely like you write up a defensive play on the board almost. Game of chess now. That's really what it is. Like defense now, in my opinion, is a lot more strategic because you have the big guys like Anthony Davis and whatnot, and they have to. Like, if somebody's going for a dunk or if somebody's going for a layup, Anthony Davis, people like him need to be able to, like, get the ball out instead of, you know, completely attacking his hands and arms and getting that foul on him. So the best way to describe it is just, like, hand, like hand-eye coordination is probably the best way to say it because they can't hit the other person's hand, you know? They got to be smarter about it, for sure. Exactly. Um, I just like to add real quick onto that. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but, you know, more recently, the NBA teams are playing more zone defense, which is, like, mm-hmm. considered forbidden basketball, right? Because there's a whole defensive key concept. Um, yeah. Especially when I was playing in the, you know, when I was playing in my basketball leagues, 
uh, if you didn't play man, you know, like you're bullshit. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not a real man, basically, at that point. Uh, you played zone, you can't keep up with me. Uh, in this league nowadays, like you said, I think it goes back to having like a stronger basketball IQ. I've been understanding the game itself, you know, how ball movement works. Um, so I just thought it kind of interesting to see how zone kind of came back into a league that was just purely man on man. Yeah, uh, the basketball IQ thing I would have to agree with, unless you're Dennis Rodman, who literally studies trajectory and shit. Uh, <laughs> but I absolutely agree. Sam, courts in session. Why don't you Why don't you read us what uh, we're fighting against? All right, let's get to it. All righty, gentlemen, welcome to the courtroom. Here we'll be discussing, you know, some interesting topics here. Uh, Kevin, pick a number, one through six. Four. Nice, because that's the one I actually memorized. And that <laughs> is, um, you know, with, especially with KD being injured, uh, there are rumors with him, you know, possibly coming back this season. I'm sure why. Yes, that make the playoffs, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. But ignoring this season, you know, with a healthy KD, um, possibly Kyrie still injured, is it even worth for KD to come back? And even if Kyrie comes back, you know, is this team actually a real championship contender? We know they can make the playoffs, right? They're currently in it. But are they a real championship? Um, I'll let Kevin go first. I think it's – this is a hard one for me because I've gone back and forth the whole season, as we know in the podcast, about what I think about the Nets. I'm always changing my opinion. I think, yes. I think at the end of the day, Kevin Durant is a top three basketball player in the NBA right now. Period. End of story. I don't care what you say. You're wrong. (laughs) Um, And on top of the Nets team that's already growing with every game, you have LeVert, you have Dinwiddie, you have Allen, who are all really good players and putting up really good numbers every single game. Adding Kevin Durant to that combination is going to be scary. And I think that easily makes them a championship contender in that Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, you have big-name teams in that conference, too. But with KD, KD can handle Giannis. KD can handle Siakam on the Raptors. KD can handle the Celtics. Like, he's that part of that team that can handle – the big stars of the other top tier teams in the East. Uh, and I think that's all you need on that net team. It's already a seventh seed without any big star. Uh, I think they're already so close to being so great. And I think Katie, even without Kyrie, pushes them over the edge to really good greatness. And I think if you have, sorry, I keep, I want to keep going. Oh, keep going. Uh, if you do have Kyrie on top of that, Kyrie comes in as the the second-hand man, uh, like in the Cavs with LeBron. He reprises his role in that, and that's where he shines the most. I think we've seen if he's the number one guy, not as great. But if he's the second guy, ooh, that's that's peak Kyrie. And I think if we get that, that's an easy finals contending Nets team, period. Done. Okay, that's a good valid point. I'll have one kind of question for each of you. So for Kevin in this case, um, obviously, there's no Kenny Atkinson. Uh, we're looking for a head coach. Uh, and Kyrie made his comments already, making it clear that he doesn't want half this roster to come back. Uh, what do you say to that about coming next season? You know, a lot of their money is already taken up between old DeAndre Jordan, uh, KD's contract, and now Kyrie complaining <laughs> at Irving. Uh, what do you think about that? I think he could shut the fuck up. 
It's not his team. I don't like it, he can he can bitch and moan all he wants about who he wants to play for and who he wants to be coach. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, he does have some pull. But I think if the Met front office is smart at all, they're going to try and keep as many of the the young, relatively cheap players they have now as best they can. Especially like Jared Allen is absolutely phenomenal and he's a young dude and he's only going to get better and bigger and stronger over time and having a vet like deandre jordan to kind of teach him too uh it's i think it's a recipe for greatness honestly uh, so i think Kyrie needs to shut the fuck up humble himself again and let the let the front office do the talking all right i like it be the little brother i appreciate that okay <laughs> Matt, what do you think about this? So, <clears throat> at the beginning of the season, I was absolutely for Kevin's point. But after watching Kyrie Irving single-handedly destroy that team, uh, which I'm calling the Kyrie effect, because I've seen it so much in the Celtics, if Kyrie doesn't have the ball, he's going to get pissed. I don't care what kind of friendship he has with DeAndre Jordan and with KD. Obviously, I'm not arguing that KD is a bad player. He is one of the best players in the league. Hands down, he's an incredible two-way player. And not to mention that he's like one of the first seven-foot-tall guys who can just shoot the ball so fucking well. KD would run that team, no problem. However, little do we remember, when the Nets were doing very well, Kyrie was not playing. Dinwiddie was playing. You know, Dinwiddie was out of his mind. He was killing it on that team. And when you want all of these young guys to go, I mean, like, what what do you what do you expect in return? I mean, I do agree. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade like Dinwiddie or Levert or whatever, you would probably have a decent amount of asset because of that right now with how they did. But if I was the Spur, if I not Spurs, if I was the Nets front office, there was no way in hell that I would trade away some Dinwiddie. There's no way in hell I would trade Levert, especially after that 50 point game that he had. Like, I I don't want to get rid of those guys. I want to get rid of the toxin. I want to get rid of the person that is destroying this team. And I mean, doesn't it strike it a little bit weird that Katie didn't really say anything about Kyrie like throughout the entire season, like? You'd have to be pretty dull not to uh, call him out. And, you know, th- there's something I like. I know that they're friends and whatnot, but it's just like when you when you go to a different team to make it better and to put your own mark on it. Kyrie is not the type of person that I would want to be team with because his ego is through the roof. He wants the ball in his hands 24-7. And you want to know what? If you had the if I had if I was a betting man, if I was Michael Jordan, <laughs> I would bet Kevin Durant every single time over Kyrie Irving. I would want KD to have the ball so much more. And I just don't know if Kyrie is humble enough to be the number two anymore. That's a very good point. Okay, so we don't believe in Kyrie here. If we had to dump Kyrie for possibly another all-star, I'm not going to call it Kyrie superstar because let's be real, LeBron hand him the title, okay? Let's yeah. be real with that. Um, who is the substitute for Kyrie Irving? I think we have to understand that that Nets team is very good scorers, but that's kind of all they got, they got right? Jared Allen's their only other protector at the rim. Um, 
What do they need if they're going to get rid of Kyrie? So, I would definitely want to keep, like, grooming Karis LeVert because he's a pretty young guy, and obviously he has a lot of potential, especially coming after a pretty horrific injury that he had. I, I want to see him play more. Spencer Dinwiddie, I want to keep him as much as possible because we've seen that he can do it. And so that's two players. So you have you have your point guard, you have your one, you have your two. Kevin Durant's going to be your three. Your four is going to be who exactly? Like <laughs> I think I think the biggest I think the biggest piece that you need is maybe another defender because. There is no doubt in my mind that the Spurs can shoot the ball. They have they they have a very they're a very good scoring team, and I will admit that partially has to do with Kyrie because that's just his mindset. But when KD gets on the field, you're already adding more defense right there, right? And not to mention you're adding I would argue more offense. So if you want another player, I would definitely look for a power forward. I'm not too much of a bandwagon fan on the Jared Allen. I'm, I'm not. I'm not too much on the Jared Allen uh, train. I do recognize that he did pretty well this year. Uh, I don't. I don't know about his potential necessarily, but if I if I was looking to make that team better, it would de- I would definitely want a strong power forward. Maybe, maybe not a scorer, but depending on how well KD plays, especially depending on how well KD actually like recovers and plays, you might, you might want another scorer. So I don't, uh, I mean, like, I don't really know whose contract is really going up right now. If I was the Nets, I'd probably either shoot for Bradley Beal or maybe even Joel Embiid or something like that. I mean, if, if Embiid went to the Nets, that'd be fucking wild. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, they might be able, as long as they can get a player who's willing to be the number two to KD, I think that team's going to thrive very well, no matter who you put in there. All right. Very good points. My last question to both of you will be the same. Uh, very simple. Kevin, uh, how far does this Nets team, if they run it back, how far does this Nets team go in the playoffs next year? With who healthy? Everyone's good to go. Let's just say everyone's <laughs> good to go. Kyrie and KD? Kyrie, they're 90%. They got the, MB, they got the you know, season-long injuries. So if, if Kyrie and Katie come back and that the roster is what it is now, I think they make it deep in the playoffs, if not the finals. I think they could make it to the finals. I really do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hi. So... Because they would, they would be playing Lakers or Clippers, basically. Hypothetically, if we're if we're running back this season, that's a, that's a tough that's a tough. Game, I think. All right, okay, that's fair. Matt, what do you think? That's um, that'd be interesting because first round, let's say they they get the what maybe second third seed. I think the first seed would probably have to go to either, you know, Toronto or maybe even the Celtics, depending. Maybe even the Heat, honestly. But no Bucks, no buck, Oh yeah, fuck me. The Bucks are definitely <laughs> Bucks are definitely number one seed. So, you know, yeah, that's that's all on me. I'm sorry, Giannis. Please have <laughs> uh, <laughs> your Twitter next. Yeah. If the Spurs, so let's say the Spurs hit the second seed, right? So they're going to be playing teams like 
they're going to be playing trash teams because you have Orlando at eighth and you have who's at seventh. I'm not going to lie, but it's trash. <laughs> so they're definitely making it past the first round. The second round, I think you're starting to get into what the fourth and fifth seed, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at the Celtics, you're looking at the Miami Heat. And I will absolutely admit the Miami Heat look so dangerous. Jimmy Butler is having the time of his life. Bam. Bam, baby. I'm looking at you, Kevin. <laughs> Roll your eyes all you want. Bam is going to be a superstar. And I know he will. And he's he's killing it. And now he's going to have another year under his belt. That's going to be a tough competition to go against. And the Celtics look incredible. They look a lot better than what a lot of people thought that they would. You know, Jalen Brown is is so good. Jason Tatum is finally being the player that I wanted him to be and that a lot of people wanted him to be. So while you have KD, I think KD is the wild card. I think he makes it past the second round. Maybe, maybe loses the second round. I'd probably say maybe third, second round is where he's at. I don't know if he would make it to the finals. Just because the Bucks are just the Bucks find a way, they they find a way no matter what, and I'll call that the Giannis, right? So you have you have Giannis who is an absolute superstar who makes anything happen, and who is healthy. That's the biggest is healthy. KD can come back ninety percent and still be an incredible player, but he is still a ninety percent. KD, like I, if he comes back fully healthy after that injury that he had, I will be shocked. And that does play a role. That absolutely plays a role. That kind of injury will definitely make or break your playoff like contention. So I don't know if they make it to the finals. I definitely think that it would be a hard fought battle in the semifinals, but I, I don't know if they make it. All right. There you go. There you have it, folks. Very good points from both sides. Uh, we'll leave a poll on our Instagram at the D three Pod. Uh, I'll try to leave one into this link for this uh, YouTube video as well. Uh, hopefully, you guys can, you know, give us your thoughts. Um, I'll have my thoughts, but you'll see my result on Instagram as well. So, uh, very good point from both of you, and I'll transfer it back to Matt. <laughs> You're just gonna keep doing that. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, hey, hey, guys, I have some, I have some pretty crazy news for you. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but we're sponsored, right? We're sponsored. <laughs> so this podcast, uh, we are now ambassadors, and I actually have some of their stuff with you by this one company called FNX, also known as Phoenix. And I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I tried this pre-workout, and goddamn. <laughs> This shit is fire. It is, I, I've had pre-workout before, and this is probably the best one that I've had. It's called the Phoenix Recharge. It's uh, blackberry lemonade flavored. It's got like 30 servings. Um, man, I, I, was, I was drained after my workout. And then you have the Refuel Phoenix. So you have this giant tub of protein powder and this one is mint chocolates and it is very good what now i don't know i mean i know that you guys you guys have probably had pre-workout and like you know protein powder before um let me ask you something do you like it when you have chunks in your drink 
No? <laughs> no, it's pretty gross, right? This stuff blends very, very well. And not to mention, there's a lot of protein powder out there that's just, like, you can really, like, taste, like, pure, like, uh, you, you. it just does not taste, the like, does not taste at all like the flavor. Or it tastes like, an, like a horribly meshed, like, flavor of the and bleh. And this tastes exactly like mint chocolate. It is wonderful. Highly recommend it. It's great stuff, honestly. Um, if you use our code, it's F-N-X-M-E... No, M... Wow, this guy butchered it. We're sponsored. We're sponsored. Whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, we have it in the bio. I will say that. My, I definitely put down the link and the bio in our Instagram. So it's there. I'm not right. slacking horribly. I promise you that. I mean, the key part kind of, you know, kind of messed it up. That was going to be real, but we good. It's fine. I'm looking it up right now. Anyway, this shit is fantastic. It's actually pretty decently priced. There's a lot of like protein powder and pre-workout that's like, like $80 and stuff like that. This is pretty, pretty decently priced, you know, and with our discount, you'll get 15% off. So that's even better. My cousin actually bought it. And he said that it was probably the best, like, pre-workout that he's had. And him, him and I are, like, fucking gym rats, honestly. We, we go to the gym almost consistently. So Almost consistently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Doesn't that sound wonderful? <laughs> I speak so good, guys, I promise. So the code is F-N-X-M-B-E-H. So if you use that code when you're purchasing any of our any of the stuff, you will get 15% off. It's a great deal, great stuff, highly recommend it. And you guys can get the link, you guys can get the code on our Instagram, on our Twitter, and that would be at the D3Pod. You can find us there. Uh, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces. I'm sorry, what was that, Kevin? Shameless plug? Oh, it's shameless plug? No one told me about it. Shameless plug. <laughs> got that sneeze right there shameless <laughs> all right Thank no more bad in this podcast and you're right you're right we're too old for this that last episode uh <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and for watching the show we really appreciate all the views and all the comments and whatnot uh please go ahead and vote on that poll that we have uh let's see who thinks that i'm right and that kevin is wrong <laughs> and i can't wait to see that man i can't wait to see that so have a great rest of your night, folks, and enjoy the rest of the last dance. Peace. I, I did not commit corruption. <laughs>